So I'll respond to some, some questions. So there's a couple of topics around differentiation and proliferation. These are both these English words are covered by the Pali word Papancha. So Papancha starts off as the beginning to to split, differentiate or seek differentiation and, and focus on the differences and then it magnifies into creating many more differences so it's like something that continually fragments experience and the, it's an involuntary quality something we don't decide to do but it, the mind that's uh, not centered, not uh, steady uh, is seeking something and this seeking is tanha, is, a kind of, is craving seeking something and this is, this is, then it starts creating things that it thinks will give it an answer or give it pleasure or make it more secure and because it's innately insecure it keeps generating uh, thoughts, topics, future speculations the idea that one of these, if I get these, they'll make me steady but of course the very act of producing all these is unsteady so that's why it never arrives anywhere because although it's aiming to find an answer uh, it's actually a problem and, you can't. and so the quality of the tanha the restless craving for certainty for something you know, to fill up the mind continues to seed the quality of restlessness and craving in the mind to prevent it from feeling steady, comfortable. Yeah. So, papancha, and there's a certain, uh, like an emotional cascade, starts off with the perception, feeling a perception, and the mind starts to agitate. I was this, she's that, why can I, how can I do this? It's her fault, why am I this, that? And then starts cascading, it's got an emotional tumult builds up in it. That's that's papancha. <laughs> and uh, so this dhamma is called uh, this dhamma is for those who do not delight in papancha. The Tathagata, the Buddha is someone who said who does not papancha. <laughs> he nipa punches. <laughs> He doesn't have anything to do with it. He doesn't speculate about what isn't here. Uh, he knows what is here. It's just this. He doesn't speculate about it. He doesn't speculate a person who you know who's doing it, or speculate about um, these entities that, that the mind creates. Seeing is seeing. So. Now the questions, so that's trying to define, once again define these, these this term. Differentiation is stressful, yet there are many types of meditation practices, loving kindness, breath, reflection, on impermanence. So it's choosing what kind of meditation to practice. Is that action stressful? Well, um, there's degrees of 
you know, growth stress, subtle stress, refined stress. So uh, you know, we start out with a degree of stress, which is the stress of uh, that's created through uh, not knowing the stressless. <laughs> so the mind is already, you know, you don't start out from zero, you start out already stressed. <laughs> uh, certain pressure, because it doesn't, the aware the mind doesn't know, realize the stressless. So then this somewhat stressed, uncertain, desire, fear, uncertainty, condition as one assesses that, hey this is this, I need something to stabilize, to deal with this now, you know, this can be uh, um, beginning of wisdom so wisdom is discernment and the difference between discernment which chooses this and differentiation which multiplies is differentiation is a reflex just keeps multiplying and wisdom is a direct decision okay let's look at this let's look at that this is this that's that so we're not necessarily multiplying things there may already be a range of experiences and we're actually looking to get down to one and you're checking out wisely by assessing the qualities of that. So, wisdom certainly differentiates in some respect. It discerns the differences between things. Yeah, but it's very much, you know, there's a certain space. How's that? Could be this. Could be that. A certain quietness, space around that whereas with papancha there's no space it floods builds up this and then that I could do this I could do that maybe I should do this maybe I could do three minutes of metta then a bit of vipassana perhaps I should do samatha satipatthana or maybe I should do this then it's it's actually filling up the space with with this the energy is is, uh, speeding up and emotionally driven with that uncertainty and when there is uncertainty we acknowledge I'm uncertain and we know it there's uncertainty so okay, what is the best response to this something that gives a sense of stability so with that we step back from we name the experience we step back from it we ask ourselves a question what's helpful now what, what really is the, the essence of this and then so clearly is something that will you know either counteract that if it's a difficult condition or amplify it if it's a positive condition so this is called wisdom very different yeah with as I said with with Papancha there's no stepping back and reviewing there's just a impulsively thrown into an ever increasing cascade of, of emotionally driven thoughts yeah so you know so essentially what meditation object you choose this is 
why we have this quality of careful attention what do you think that's often the question the Buddha when he talks to people what, how do you see this good friends how do you see this is it this or is it that this. if someone was like that what would you recommend we'd say don't do it very good I agree with you so don't do it <laughs> and if a person is suffering like this what would you think well, I think they need some of this yes I agree so he's asking a person to, to kind of review an experience get the essence of it the sign of it and then respond so similarly this is the way we uh, you know choose meditation topic it's like it's a medicine so you go in what do you, what do you think's needed here balm, liquid, cough syrup boil, something for boils what? this one mm. so that's the quality uh, of the you know, proper attention and investigation step back name feels like this see if when you're experiencing things you know, the proliferating tendency would be I feel really worried and then I'm worried about my sister because she does this and she's married to this weird guy and you never know what's going to happen because the kids are going into proliferation around something where's, where, where are they? I can't see what, so then they say, what's the one word that sums that up? worry, okay you got it, worry so rather than sister, husband, kids, job, da 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 worry I can deal with that because that's right here so what do I need to do about that worry well worry is here need to settle wisdom can't arise from worry clarity can't arise from worry there may indeed be a problem here but I I can't find a solution to that just by going into this worried state so stabilize and then looks like steady so you can use your body grounding yourself okay there's my sister well the first response is oh I I I feel compassion I feel conscience and concern compassion that's good so we're getting somewhere uh, you know, and then you see what you know. So, so then you cultivate qualities like that. So you bring it down to something direct, simple thing that you can respond to. And so you terminate the proliferation, get back to the core quality that's really digging into you. Yeah, and then you respond to that, and you see where that goes. is the undifferentiated signless same as emptiness for example this this hall is empty of people, chairs fans, men, women, monks and lay people they're just shapes and colours through the eyes how does it relate to the sutta about seeing the world as empty so as to escape the king of death Mm. 
Uh, undifferentiated, uh, probably we translate as an animita, that which has no particular sign or characteristic to it. So signless. Yeah. There are different uh, qualities of realization. One is the signlessness, which is everything is so you know, um, you know, um, impermanent. You can't really say anything finally has a fixed form. So, what shape is the flame of a candle? It's constantly moving. What shape is water? Yeah. What shape is air? Depends what you put it in, isn't it? So, there's no particular uh, shape. So, this is, so it's rather like that. So, signlessness and limiter, no. desirelessness, <coughs> things realize that you know, things or phenomena do not by themselves innately satisfy. Doesn't mean you. Know, so we, we can use our requisites and realizing it's just this. There's no great feeling. This is the greatest, the one and only. Everything will be over. We get one of these. So this quality desirelessness means there's a sense of coolness and dispassion around uh, material things and even uh, you know. Well, this the very well consciousness itself. One experiences with some dispassion, sense consciousness. There's also another quality called selflessness. So, and uh, emptiness of self is the sunyata. So it's another realization. Means there's no solid, permanent, lasting, essential entity in anything. Uh, clearly, in, in Theravada, this is, is sign is uh, witnessed or realized in terms of um, living beings, particularly people, of course. Empty of self is often the expression. Empty of self means it doesn't, it, one, it cannot be owned, so it's, it can't be, it's, it's void of ownership. Uh, it's empty of ownership, things cannot be owned. Uh, it's sense of agency, it's not potent. Some, you know, in other words, we cannot I- effectively determine. You know, so the self is not in control of events. You can't say, because I want this, this will happen. Right? It may happen, it may not. So the, there's no final fixed agency. Right? So the sense of someone who could be in control and make things work and make things happen, even in terms of their own body and mind, no, <laughs> doesn't work like that. Yeah. So the sense of so instead, what rather than self controlling things, there's a sense of wisdom. Understanding what conditions are available, what cause, uh, you know, seeing what conditions and causes are available to bring forth the best fruit. So instead of a self, we have wisdom, which is much healthier as an agency. 
Self also means that, uh, that things are innately um, uh, coherent. In other words, for example, say this body is myself, it means everything in this body it belongs to me, it belongs to the same thing. But clearly, food comes in and out of it, air comes in and out of it, um, it takes in water and passes it out. Um, so, there's all kinds of things in this body that are not innately there. <laughs> you know? So, that's, that's an example, particularly, of course, the mind, which we can think very much is myself, it's full of my stuff. Well, the language is something you learn from your parents and your society. The ideas and thoughts you learn from teachers and schools. Um, your emotions you got uh, trained in through social conditioning. Which which of these is yourself? You a thinker? Where did you get you? Know, where did you get the language from? You learned it at school, didn't you? So it's not your language. So our minds contain all kinds of stuff that isn't, cannot be said I created them. If I created them, why don't I create some good ones? And I create this mess, pieces that I don't even like. So my mind is full of all kinds of things that really uh, are conditioned rather than uh, owned or personally created. So this is sunyata, the emptiness, and as you begin to recognize that it's much more helpful. Because if we take the mind personally, we feel very oppressed by it, guilty about it, ashamed of it, or proud of it, or we expect it to be something marvelous, mental content, because it's mine and I feel it's not yeah so it's much more so these signs are there to um, because they, they, they they're really helpful and you just keep questioning is it true? is this myself that thinks? or is it something I, that my awareness can witness so which is myself the awareness or the thought? what happens when the thought ceases? do I die? No, there's a space, perhaps another thought comes up. So we might say, oh, I must be the space within which all these things arise. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> so it's your space, is it? You don't seem to have much control over what arises in it, do you? Why do you let all these things happen in it? <laughs> it's yours. Why do you say, no, I don't want any of that, thanks. <laughs> all kinds of stuff pops into it. So is it yours? Or isn't it just uh, much more helpful to see there are conditions and causes that cause stress, pressure, and so then we are free from guilt, but we take there's a sense of intention to responsibility there are causes and conditions that will release and reduce stress and the assumption of a self is not one of them the assumption of a self increases stress therefore the sign of emptiness is to be understood yeah. now um, 
seeing the world as empty to escape the king of death this uh, is actually the, the it's empty of self so who dies who's born conditions arise and pass who's alive there is life there are life forces happening thoughts, energies, sensations are arising moving through, changing this to that and the other be attentive to that, alert to that is any of this really yourself, yours Or isn't it the familiarity of that keep those patterns repeating because it's familiar gives rise to the sense of something that's always there therefore that must be a lasting entity but it's not a lasting entity it's just a familiar habit that thought, that nagging worry that particular uh, nagging doubt that particular grudge and so there's not one of them, there are many of these and these is called uh, um, sankharas, uh, dhammas, uh, qualities and they get the repetitive nature is because they're conditioned and programmed in so they keep coming back like a, like a, like a stuck tape loop that keeps replaying itself and so this definitely occurs definitely occurs but it's still not an entity because it's not stable, it's moving and changing it's like a repeated sound or a repeated program that keeps repeating itself, regenerating itself and you can witness that you take it personally, you think, oh why am I like this, why don't I stop being like that, I could be something else, what's wrong with me why did I get like this, when did I start being like this, whose fault was it I'm like this, and maybe I could be another way. Where does all that go? This is proliferation. Instead, we see this is a nagging thought, nagging perception, a memory. It feels like it's got uh, fear or negativity in it. Seems to be something to step back from, getting perspective. You know? because if, if it uh, notices it get too involved with it it starts to proliferate cooling, dispassion is needed so this is how we, we meditate we step back and hold these phenomena and you recognize there has to be an appropriate response and it's much subtler and more skillful than just either I am this or uh, I don't want to be this that's a very blind response it's a blind reaction Instead, it seems that what's needed here is some breathing out what's needed here is some quality of goodwill so wisdom moves in when self moves out So I think that's probably enough for that one. There's another question. 
Mindfulness of body, Ajahn mentions about recognizing the tense muscles or body areas that are tensed up and relaxing them by recognizing the space surrounding them or other body parts that are not tense. I was half asleep so I couldn't catch this part during the talk. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you missed it. Could Ajahn please elaborate? Well, you did pretty good. If you're half asleep, that's quite good. (laughs) You got it. That's about it. (laughs) So um, maybe the bit that you might need to uh, bear in mind is uh, so. Essentially, it's this process whereby um, certain phenomena are difficult, uh, and uh, so if it's difficult particularly here in this case of tension tension has got a, is, a, is an energy that's, that's locked up it's, it's too much energy and it's got frozen like a traffic jam imagine lots and lots of cars they're all packed tight because there's so many there the road can't clear them yeah? so this is what happens in, in bodies uh, and it may be that the body is hunched so it causes a constriction so the energy can't pass through it it could be just too much energy, not enough open space for things to move through. The body is too restricted. Anyway, um, and so this this traffic jam. Now, the quality of attention when you place it on something. So you place attention on on your hand, for example. Maybe it's not tense, just your hand. Notice the more you give attention to the hand more the experience of the hand expands in your awareness so here's my hand, really focus on that really focus on that, forget everything else yeah. Yeah. so my, my body, rest of my body is in the background the room disappears, just this hand so the act of attention tends to amplify and make more of what's being experienced so if you give attention to a tense area, you make it bigger in your mind. Now a certain, you could say that to a certain degree it does help, oh that's that. But, um, but no, when you have a difficult area, you don't want to make it more and more predominant. It's already difficult enough. So the essence of careful attention is to give careful attention to something that's the opposite of the difficulty obsessiveness is when we stick on a difficult place you obsess with it that's careless attention just driven to it and often with a trying to get rid of it but what's happening is you're putting more attention more energy into the experience so careful attention careful attention is begin to pick up the quality of something that's not experiencing that that's the first sense, you step back space, so you might say the sign of space or the sign my shoulders feel tense but my abdomen feels relatively relaxed or that's a little bit tense but down in my feet it's pretty, soles of my feet can open up oh yeah that's okay and then the second thing is to connect the two so here's the tension and widen your awareness to include the space and the relaxed place 
So the tension, tense area, is sitting within a much larger uh, experience of the freedom, openness, or loss of tension. See, so then it becomes. So it's like that, and then we might holding that. Sometimes that itself is enough. But it can be helpful also when you breathe out. See if you're breathing through all of that, through the tense area into the open quality. You're breathing in from the open quality through the tension. So you're sending a breath of air through the traffic jam. So a little bit of space coming through that congestion. And naturally, of course, universal solvent is goodwill. So rather than that impatient negative feeling, sending just these strands of patient loving acceptance. So this is what I'm recommending. Certain things can occur uh, perhaps even the sense of getting that area body in perspective means it's no longer such a big issue as when you're obsessed with it. It's just, okay, bodies are like this. So that's the first degree of liberation. Pressure is not so intense. Then the second degree, you liberate your mind from ill will and negativity, feeling upset by it all. Bodies are like this. No point adding more ill will to it. That's another degree of liberation. Third degree of liberation, you begin to respond to it wisely rather than frantically. Wisely, conditions of wisdom. You inquire what's helpful. You set up a mind that's a little more intelligent and questioning and awake rather than something that's just trying to beat, push something out. Some of the mind is a little more, oh, how do you manage this? Let's work with this a little more awake and intelligent and then you start to so this is also freeing up the mind so even if the physical condition persists you've still benefited a lot and uh, you know my experience is that you know this if you stay with that it has a maturing effect and over a period of sometimes even just a few minutes uh, energy can start to drain it drains from the charged overcharged traffic jam place it starts to trickle and drain and ease and you oh suddenly it's lessening it may come back because some of these things have a, a habitual see it comes back and you can do it again because some of these traffic jams are habitual, yeah. energy knows to go there, so it goes there again. Some people have extremely uh, shoulders and neck, often so many cars going down that road, and that's where they know where to go. <laughs> they rush up there at a moment's notice. So you're feeling really chilled out and okay, and somebody says, oh, that's... Uh, um, you know, it's uh, say you know 
Could somebody bring a chair in? Oh, right, okay, I've got a chair in. You know, <laughs> just down, you know, just bring a chair, that's all. <laughs> this isn't a major construction job. It doesn't mean bring a chair within three seconds, it means, you know, do what's appropriate to bring a chair. But you get so triggered, and the energy rushes up, and you're tense again. Because, you know, this is the program why one works with energy to appropriate energy rather than this faster, more immediate, better no faster, more immediate, worse (laughs) because there's no wisdom it's just knee-jerk reactions and you feel the energy just runs in, it jolts, jumps this is not helpful and so one needs to reprogram the way we operate you know, so I'm taking that as a I don't know if that's a group norm but um, you know, I think it's quite common to the urban people particularly you know nature of urban society is like that so there's the if you like the the healing to clean and release and also how not to reinfect how did you how did that tension that stress get there don't reinfect learn to retrain and this is actually much longer and more somewhat more difficult because it's so compulsive sometimes one doesn't know how to not be compulsive because we it's the it's we, we, we've got a deep groove that the mind runs down and you have to really check stop, stop, stop you know? then sometimes we don't know how to do it because uh, conditioning has been so into being compulsive that without being compulsive you feel kind of well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> confused, lost so this is why we work on energy so you can get an energy just to yes, by all means go but let's go just a little bit slower and take all your body with you when you walk not just your eyes and your brain take the whole thing with you when you walk Is that too much to ask? <laughs> you know, it, it can be. You stop. Do it again. Take the whole thing with you when you walk. And you've got to move through space. To take that with you. So this is really a major training, rather than just the teaching. Monastic life sometimes it can be very beneficial with this kind of thing because there's a lot of emphasis on doing things carefully and sense of precision and also a lot of time you just wait. You wait for the bell, you wait for the lay people to offer the dana, you wait. 
You wait for the senior person to turn up. You wait. Wait for everybody to get in the room. You wait. So you can either wait, thinking, oh, come on, get going, or you can just wait and just give up. That's <laughs> <laughs> eventually you learn just surrender. <laughs> it's easier that way. <laughs> because all you want to do is stop suffering, really. The rest of it. So this very, these things help to block. You know why I say you come into the room, pause, and bow, get onto your sitting mat, take your time, compose yourself, draw your hands up to your chest, bow three times. It's a little thing you can see as ritual, but actually it does act as a, as a break from the rushing, sit down, get on. You know, just pause, softly pay respect, pause, check yourself so giving that those fire breaks in terms of energy this is where we stop infecting ourselves now, last questions for the night tonight concern this um, phrase in the apamana the measureless abidings uh, what does it mean imbued the heart with loving kindness likewise a second third fourth so two people have got stuck on this one um, the second quarter the third and likewise the fourth the all-encompassing world what is that exalted does it mean jhanic level some teachers said it would be more beneficial to practice or keep the four Brahma Viharas our object of meditation compared to breathing. How does Bhante see it? Well, the, the first, the first, second, third quarter thing, you know, it's it's like uh, over there, over there, over there, and over there. <laughs> <laughs> It means the full works. <laughs> so I think perhaps in, in India they had a sense of the north direction, the west direction, the east direction, the south direction. But you don't have to have a compass, you know. The general sense of it is everywhere. That's, that's really what it means. So um, I don't have to do them consecutively, it just means, you know, this is uh, time. Uh, even to others as to myself actually it doesn't quite mean that it means wherever everywhere so he's really emphasizing this quality of any old direction in out up down near far in me in you wherever it is goodwill toward it, towards it so it's a kind of slightly poetic um, description all encompassing world well that's it it means everything the world it means the world of experience not the planet earth but the world of experience could mean somebody who passed away 10 years ago it could mean someone sitting next to you it could mean um, you, your own body it could mean a nagging thought so anything that arises in existence is called the world the world is the world of existence
that the world of existence is of impermanent conditioned phenomena that's called existence, the world it's constantly like a bubbling up uh, subtle, gross phenomena some to be seem to be people, some seem to be animals, some seem to be alive, near, far whatever arises is to be held within a quality of non-aversion non-resistance, non-hatred and so yeah, that's certainly powerful practice and um, as you said could be better to do this than the, than the breathing you know I think it's good to practice breathing without ill will <laughs> so it's not like only do only do goodwill three times a day the rest of the time I do ill will <laughs> when I breathe in out I really do ill will I think it's best to breathe in and out with a mind of goodwill. So you don't have to kind of, oh, that's the goodwill bit over with. <laughs> but you could use it as a main focus, uh, particularly as, as we said the other night, you know, when the mind is caught in ill will, then one should cultivate goodwill. And you, you don't have to exclude breathing from that because I was suggesting, yeah, the quality of goodwill. How is your breathing when you feel a quality of goodwill? When you sense your feel, heart feels loving, uh, or non-resistant, or accepting? How is your breathing then? So that quality, then the breathing transfers some of this rather beautiful quality into your body and into you know, your, your, your energies. Goodwill is not just a, an idea, it's not even just an emotion, it's, a, it's an energy to it, which is suffusive, uh, bright, supportive, uh, void of this prickling, tension, negativity, pushy, resisting. It's a soft, suffusive quality. Um, so if we pick up that, that quality of heart, it's not just an idea, it's not just an emotion, it's a quality of chitana, volition, intention. And this intention has a, uh, uh, certainly it's obviously has a, it's a psychological thing, it definitely affects your body. Someone who operates with harsh intentions, their bodies are hard and tight and forceful. Someone who operates with uh, loving intention, there's a certain softness, easefulness, uh, they say that practicing metta brings you, uh, is good for your complexion. And animals are fond of you because they pick up your energy. They, they experience somebody who's not, they, they can pick up energy. So it's a little more than just an idea. So this means we can then use it as a Ideally, is the atmosphere of our practice should always be void of ill will. And certainly if the ill will becomes a dominant feature, then you should make metta a dominant practice. Otherwise, keep it as a, as a general mood, uh, an atmosphere. Metta doesn't mean, or loving kindness doesn't mean we can't be 
clear and firm and say that's not appropriate that's not appropriate now doesn't mean I hate you it just means this is not appropriate there's no hatred in that it's just making it clear because doing this action will cause problems so let's put that down that's so you can be decisive and even firm with the mind of goodwill because your intention is not to create hatred it's just to stop suffering and unnecessary agitation occurring so just stop it's not, not appropriate still there's no ill will in that This is useful because um, you know people mentioning having difficulty with their their fellow humans, um, people kind of pushing them around or bullying them or criticizing them or saying go and do this you never that you should do this why don't you do that I don't like the way you look you're not dressing right and so you know some of you see that. <laughs> Uh, no, we don't, but then we don't just sit and go, okay, well, right. <laughs> you know, let, let people dump on you. Say, no, excuse me, um, you know, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm this, this is what I am, and uh, I don't have a problem with that. I'm living with this, and you seem to have a problem, that's your problem, but you, you know, I hope you can work it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's not always as easy as that, I'll admit, but you have to be able to stand your ground without getting rancorous and resentful. So, so it's really the, the bottom line of, 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 of loving kindness is just not to allow ill will to take over your mind. It doesn't mean you're always radiantly um, loving, it just means you don't let ill will capture, capture your mind it messes everything up so I think that's enough for this evening <laughs>